severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and I have got a train to catch in about 40 minutes, so this is going to be a pretty quick intro. I'll keep it brief. But we have had quite an exciting day at Just Get A Real Job. Today we hosted our first ever live Q&A on our YouTube channel and Facebook page with the lovely cast and crew of Title in the Show, which is a digital musical, and there will be links to that on all our social media platforms, and we'll hopefully be releasing it as a bonus podcast episode later in the week as well, so got an extra episode potentially coming out this week as well, and it's available to watch right now on our YouTube channel as well, so if you fancy a bit extra, just get a real job this week, and you can't wait a few days, you can go and watch it in video form. But also as well, as always, please consider sharing us on social media if you're enjoying the podcast. That goes a long way in helping us to keep growing and helping people to discover us. You can also do other things like leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. But as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back and listening. If you're a returning listener, if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. Anyway, this week's episode is a very, very good one indeed. I recorded this episode back in the start of May, I think, a while ago, and it is with the lovely Connor Burke. Now, Connor is a, a playwright, an actor. He's a podcast himself. He runs a podcast called Glee Cap. Just a fantastic guy. I really, really, really liked this conversation. It was, I'd, actually, the day we recorded this, about two minutes before the interview, I found out I didn't get a job I really, really wanted, and this like instantly cheered me up. Connor is actually one of the other another guests that Joe put me in touch with, but it was a real, real pleasure to speak to Connor. Really, really, really good conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, Connor. How's it going? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Jamie, I'm very well. Thanks so much for having me on. I have been so excited for this. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope it's a good therapy session for you. Oh, I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm probably going to mention Joe O'Neill a lot. Oh, that's fine. But I was saying to Joe, I was like, this is going to be a therapy session for me. I can just feel it. Free therapy. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. I should start charging all my guests. Is you know, <laughs> no, it's good for me as well. We were just talking before we clicked record about like because you're a podcaster as well, obviously, and like we just both we're just sort of ranting about the pros and cons and what we what we like about it, what we don't like. So I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of that today as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a question. So I've listened to most of your episodes. There's probably around four I haven't listened to yet. Oh, thank Has you. anyone cried yet? Yes, um, one person cried. Well, he got very emotional, but Christopher Lee Power episode we did, which was a bonus episode, uh, he got really emotional. I got really emotional. It was an incredible conversation. So, yeah, but that's the only time. It's the only time. Yeah, yeah, no, really moving and insightful conversation. Such a good idea. Yeah, I know, it's good. But yes, so, Cora, you are an actor, you're a playwright, and you're a podcaster, so you're ticking a lot of creative boxes. I am, yeah. And it's very weird. I'm, I'm sure maybe a few listeners have had this or maybe you've had this you sometimes you feel guilt in calling yourself something yes it's such a, oh my god yes <laughs> it's such a kind of 
unsustainable in a lot of ways career path and it's like why would I call myself an actor when I don't make my full-time living from it but I think something that I realized when I was really young Jamie was that like if you don't call yourself what you are you will never become it absolutely and, um yeah I found a lot of power in that you know what I mean but like it's still to this day like whenever someone says that I'm like cringing inside you know what I mean no, I think it's, it's just human emotion it's the imposter syndrome of it isn't it because you feel like yeah. it, you know about all all my Irish guests so far which Joe has very kindly put me in touch with so thank you Joe but like we'd all talked about notions and like this idea about you know and it's so true I feel that very hard as well and like it's like what you say you have to identify it it's like if you're a runner like if you run and you think of yourself I'm a runner now you're more likely to go on a run so if you think of yourself as a screenwriter or an actor or whatever you're more likely to probably do it 100 percent. and like you're just talking about oh what's that phrase you just used when you feel like you're not supposed to imposter, be there imposter syndrome imposter syndrome there we go. like does like meryl streep get that like does it ever end I do you know what i mean I, yeah i think a lot of big people probably do feel that and, and probably just don't talk about it or maybe they do and we haven't noticed because we put them on a pedestal perhaps yeah maybe because it's like i always say this it's like if if Beyonce is ever having a bad day, like, does she ever wake up, look in the mirror, pull herself together, and it's like, I am Beyonce. Like, the people, they, you hear people talk about Beyonce, that's me. Why should I feel self-conscious? It's yeah. a very weird, like, dynamic. Like, what goes through these people's heads? I know. I don't know. I know. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Well, Connor, we like to start the podcast by asking everyone. I've just re- I, so when we did my episode, the birthday special, I was being interviewed. It was pointed out to me all the Jamieisms I say. So now when I, this is the first time I've done one since then, and I'm like, I've just said a Jamieism. But anyway, <laughs> we like to. Start. What's your most common? What's your most common Jamieism? Uh, either that one, like we like to we like to ask on the podcast, or I say the words I love to say open and honest. Um, that's a common one. Oh God, yeah, In- interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an absolute fucker for when someone's on the podcast and I agree with them. It's absolutely. And then I'm like, a oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why am I saying those things? Yeah. Uh, my favourite one is, uh, well, that um, segues us nicely. That's my favourite. Oh, yeah. That's my favourite. I feel like a proper radio presenter. Oh, um, uh, 100%. It's iconic. Yeah. But anyway, Connor, we like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast, uh, what's your sort of earliest creative memory? I remember watching movies with my dad when I was younger. I remember watching Batman, the 1989 version with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And I remember being really scared. And I asked him, why is there a man in crazy makeup being really mean to people? (laughs) And he had to explain to me what an actor was. And I had the exact same experience with Mrs. Doubtfire. So why is that man dressing up as a Scottish grandmother to try and get his kids back? And he had to explain to me what an actor was. And I remember then, like, I came from, come from a really, like, working class background. So we wouldn't necessarily be going to the theatre, but we used to go to the circus all the time. Me, my dad, my sister, when it, when it came every year. And I always wanted to sit around the ring of the circus, like, right up the front. Yeah. Because, like, whilst the acts were happening, I was looking at, like the curtain so to speak being like oh the rest of the performers are behind there like what are they doing like do you know what i mean me thinking it's this mystical place but like most of them are probably out the back just having a cigarette <laughs> but i was like i want to stand up right now and and go behind there and see what they're at and then in terms of like creatively myself i remember very distinctly 
there was two girls near where I grew up and Mrs. Brown's boys was a thing back then. And this is before the BBC picked it up or anything because Fun story, Mrs. Brown's boys started off, Brendan O'Carroll started doing it as a character on radio and he had like a five minute segment or whatever. But then he got a production company and made these really low budget hour long episodes and they were released on DVD in Ireland. And if you look at the BBC version, all of the jokes in the BBC version are from these movies that he made like 15 years ago. And what I used to do, because because I was a child, I was fucking obsessed with that kind of humour. Yeah. Obsessed. And we didn't have a computer at home, so I would sit in front and put the VHS on, and I would write down verbatim what the lines were. <laughs> and then I'd write the script out three times to give to the two girls who live near me. And mm. I was Mrs. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like everyone else but like I always had to be Mrs Brown yeah. and we used to perform them just by my house for absolutely no one but ourselves and that's <laughs> kind of when I got the bug and I did the exact same thing later with uh, Little Britain except with Little Britain they had an official book release and the book was literally a hardback book it was like really thick and it was all of the scripts of all the oh, little yeah. Britain sketches and of course, I was always Matt Lucas and or David Williams and everyone else was just like Naturally. the supporting characters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, that's, that's my very, very early memories of like kind of having that inkling for being creative. Yeah. Well, they, they film uh, Mrs. Brown Boys in Glasgow, actually, believe it or not. Do they? Do they? Yeah, so that's actually... what the studio is. I don't watch it, but my granny, my granny's a big fan. <laughs> I've never watched it on BBC, but I do have to say it's funny there you're you're saying that your granny loves it because my mom watches it and like I do be in my bedroom and she's like in stitches laughing and I'm like, mm. what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, <laughs> are you okay? Like I it must be a generational thing. I don't know. I think it is, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Um well that segues us nicely, see what I did there. Um <laughs> into sort of like how where you're from. And give me one second because my friend's over and he's being very rude right now. Sam, I'm doing a podcast. Can you shut the fuck up, please? <laughs> please keep that in. Can you please go into the kitchen like I asked you? Thank you. Honestly, please keep that in, Jamie. Jamie, I will. please keep I that will. in. That, that That's the sound bite. <laughs> Sam, I don't know you, but I wish you well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, come on. I, I said one thing. I'm like, I am recording. You can, you can go anywhere in the flat, but just... You know. Honest story of my life. When I'm recording my podcast, I'm like to my mom and dad, "Listen, I'm recording tonight at six until seven. Can you please just be quiet?" Of course, five to six, absolute silence. I press record. All you hear is I'm like, "Oh my god, I've been there." Don't yeah. worry. But anyway, I think I was I was asking you before I was rudely interrupted um, about <laughs> about like um, sort of how where you're from has sort of influenced you as a creative. I suppose it's one of those things, Jamie, that you don't really know how it has until you get some perspective on it. I'm from Nice, which is uh, the same town that Joe is from. It's probably 30 to 40 minutes outside of Dublin. Yeah. It's a really like middle class area to live, but I didn't grow up within that demographic. So yeah. I suppose a lot of time I've kind of felt really out of place because I have friends who I grew up with who I went to youth theatre with like are you know middle class but for some reason there's this thing in Ireland and perhaps in the UK as well I'm not sure that people don't want to talk about class and they're kind of like 
Very much. They don't want to talk about money. And it's like this subtle, you know, like underbearing that is reflected throughout society. So, and I love the town that I'm from. I, I think it's it's gorgeous. It's probably a town of 30,000, 35,000 people. It's really close to Dublin. So it's by no means rural. But like if you go 10 minutes out the road the other way, you're, you're kind of in the country. And it's an amazing place to live and to have grown up. I feel very lucky to have lived here and, and grown up here. I suppose in terms of how if in, how it's influenced my work, I think that perhaps not my town, but being Irish is a very unique perspective that perhaps I didn't really understand until I moved to the UK. Yeah. Ireland is an amazing country and I love Ireland and I love being Irish, but I don't like how it's run. You know, it's supposed to be the land of saints and scholars and writers and poets and stuff like that. And it's like, there's just no support here. It's kind of like they say to us, okay, you're you're going to be born here. We're going to raise you here. You go to university or whatever. Fuck off until you have money and then come back. <laughs> Do you know what? That's what yeah. I feel like. It's just not a country for artists. And the artists that they do tailor to are people who are like relatively established already, which is amazing because they're brilliant practitioners and stuff like that. But it's just like, you know, like I'm sure you can relate. Like I spend most of my time just applying for like open calls, open opportunities, whatever. And I don't get most of those things, like maybe one in 20 if I'm lucky. Yeah. And like I remember a couple of months ago I applied for something and I was like I'm not going to get this and I didn't get it and then you see the people who did get it right and the whole call out is about like this is for emerging talent and one of the guys that got selected for it wrote a play a couple of years ago and the BBC adapted it into a six part TV series and he is an absolutely fantastic talent right but you start to think to yourself what the fuck is emerging Like, how in any way is that emerging? And, like, my frustration lies with, like, I just wish they defined what emerging was in their call-out. Because Mm. is that emerging to literally anyone? Like, does he think he's an emerging artist? I don't know. It's it's weird. It's a a really difficult one, isn't it? And I think that's actually probably partly a cultural thing as well. And and what you're saying about Ireland, I don't think Scotland's probably quite as extreme about having to move away. But there isn't a lot of opportunities here. A lot of what we make is made by the people who are already here. So then you have all these people at the start of their career. I don't know why I'm giving you all these hand gestures like the listeners can see it, but you know, you have to go at the start <laughs> of their career. <laughs> yeah. You know, who can't who can't get those like breaks to get higher up. So they're forced to move to places like London or Manchester where there's more opportunities. And then they don't even come back. So then you're losing all these amazing Scottish or you know, Irish or whatever talents who could be making amazing things for and in their own countries exactly homegrown talent and it's like we've seen this recently with the success of normal people in ireland it's an absolutely stunning tv show Uh, gorgeous right but there's this whole thing of like you know paul meskell is was the lead and and paul paul is a lovely guy and daisy edgar jones played marianne and daisy edgar jones hold my hands up fucking phenomenal she was so overlooked within the context of that show she arguably had a better irish accent than paul meskell Mm -hmm. like i did not know she was english like i should have got that from from the name but there's conversations neither did i yeah like she's amazing but there's conversations happening about like although i cannot see anyone else in that role now after watching it she was absolutely unbelievable 
was there any Irish talent considered for that role? I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was. And I know a part of it is she, she might have just been better. But we see like another adaptation of Conversations with Friends, which is another Sally Rooney novel. Of course, I'm a big fan. Don't worry. I, I love Sally yeah. Rooney to bits. And uh, a girl from Cork got cast as the lead. And then like no one else is Irish in it. We've yeah. got Jemima Kirk, who was in that american tv show girls and um, we've got a, a british actor who's currently dating taylor swift i'm sure they're all going to be fantastic but like come on and it's cast by irish casting directors and filmed in ireland and made by an irish production company etc yeah yeah it's, it's a really difficult balance isn't it because i i do also I have i know people that are producers i've got friends in film and stuff and like i do understand there's a financial element they want to have people who are going to bring viewers as well and bring money so it's a really really difficult balance but i do agree with you and i know what you're you're driving at here it's a you know doesn't feel like those platforms and opportunities are there and i think especially in smaller countries or regions particularly bad yeah yeah it's crazy like because normal people wasn't produced by rte the the irish equivalent of bbc it was produced by bbc and hula as well yeah and yeah and hulu and it's like Mm. hulu sorry (laughs) and it's like ireland is the country that's going to benefit off that i I read a funny statistic about the admissions applications for trinity college increased by like 200 percent last year it's just that's absolutely hilarious no it's so that my flatmate was like that he's like i'm gonna have a look at trinity i'm like i i know why you're doing that (laughs) reading too much sally rooney i think (laughs) we'll say no more (laughs) I haven't had a midnight call from you in a while. So corrupt and sexy. What'd you say your feelings are involved? Obviously. Who is it obvious to? Well, this, you know, another question I have for you, which is one of my favourite questions, I love this, and especially because you're Irish, I'm very excited, but do you have a favourite word or phrase from where you're from? Oh my God, that is a great question. I love it when Irish people say they, like, they would be instead of they are. So, for example, like, if I say to you, are you, are you really good friends with Elliot? <laughs> no. You'd, you'd say, you'd say, <laughs> no, no, hate him. You'd say... <laughs> You'd say, oh, yeah, we're really good friends. But an Irish person would say, oh, we'd be best friends, as in we would be best friends. I, I just think that's beautiful. And the reason Irish people say that and phrase it in that way is because it's a direct translation of the Irish language. So mm-hmm. although it's a predominantly English speaking country, the tense of it comes from Gaelic. Really so like, you know, I, 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 I'd be working tomorrow. I would be working tomorrow. It's like, are you working tomorrow? It's like, no, I am working tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? And then I also I love, love um, like, your man and your one. Yeah, Jasmine uh, talked about that. Yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah, did yeah. she? There's yeah. a an American girl on TikTok. She's absolutely hilarious. She lives in Dublin. And she's kind of a comedian. And she's like, who's the man? Is is it my man? You're, who's your man? Is it Oliver man? Like, she's <laughs> like, she's obviously putting on an act. I'm like, it's fucking gas. So there's loads of little things like that. Obviously, crack, iconic. I love it. I love yeah. saying that um i remember when i moved to england we call a cupboard a press mm-hmm. okay and i don't know where it comes from i i don't know why we call it a press i remember my flatmate was looking for something one day and she, she was like where is it i was like it's in the press really southern english girl absolutely lovely girl and she's still my friend now but you, you know what i mean i was like it's in the press she was like what 
it's like depressed and she was like what are you talking about and i realized i was like the cupboard and she was like you call that the press jamie for the next three years i was so stubborn I was like, I'm going to keep calling this the fucking press. I did that. I tried, to, I tried to drop it into conversation. And then the rest <laughs> of my English flatmates started saying it colloquially. I was like, yes, mission no. achieved. We have, we have one in Scotland where a lot of my English friends will argue with me. Um, and that'll be, you know, because we, we just call juice anything. Like, you know, we have fizzy juice. We have diluting juice, whatever juice. And they're like, can I have some squash or whatever? I'm like, no, it's juice. You will have some juice. And they're like, they are like, can we have some Coca-Cola? I'm like, so you want juice? Like, I'm going to juice. Yeah. Me. Just like, this <laughs> is loads of stuff like that. But no, I love that. There's some good answers It's a great there. one. I, I, you know, some of my friends are like, why are you, you're just using this podcast to speak to Irish people because you love Ireland. Or, for whatever reason, <laughs> I am really fascinated with Ireland. Like I've been a few times, I, I read a lot of Irish authors and, you know, a big fan of the culture there. I think there's a lot of similarities between Ireland and Scotland as well. So I'm just probably... Oh, 100%. Like, I lived with a uh, Glaswegian girl for three years. She's one of my best mates. And I can't wait to see her now when I move back to London because she's still there. And we just, like, immediately clicked with one another. And Mm -hmm. when I went to Scotland to see her family meet her family, her her mum is Irish, her dad is English. But it was just an immediate kind of... I don't know what it is. Like, I, I would... I mean, I know it's this whole thing of of history, but like, I would genuinely love to know the specific reasons why, yeah. like, the humor is so similar, and like, because she came here and like, she immediately got the culture here, and it's crazy to think about. I love thinking about stuff like that. Yeah, no, it is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of ancestry that links in a lot as well, like you know, immigration to both countries, etc. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to move the conversation forward. Let's speak a bit more about you. We're talk about you now. So obviously you're you're into your acting and stuff, you know, as a kid and a teenager and things. But what sort of, would you remember when you decided I'm going to go and start studying this and then and do like sort of degree to do with it? I think I just always knew. I remember before I got into drama and theatre as a child, I must have been eight before my mum and dad said, we need to do something with him because he's just very odd. Like, like he needs he needs to do something. He's just a bit weird. Like, And um, I remember as a child doing musicals and plays and pantomimes and stuff like that. And the local theatre where I live, it was my home. Like, I knew the, the password to get into the stage door. We used to sneak in there at night and have sleepovers in the theatre, like... We lived there and it was never, ever a question for me to do anything different. Like I had friends then when I was 16 or 17 and we were doing our leave insert, which is like Mm. the Irish A-levels essentially. And they were talking about what they wanted to do in college and stuff. And all of a sudden, oh, like I want to be a teacher. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be like, I was standing here like, what the fuck? Like, it's (laughs) like, are you not doing this when you leave school? That was what I was thinking in my head. And because they came from like more kind of well-to-do families, I I think, and I, this is just my presumption and I might be wrong, but I think there was more of pressure for them to go follow more conventional yeah. life paths because it was like you go to college, you get a well-paying job and then you die. Like, Whereas with my family, it was like, because we didn't have a whole lot, it was just kind of like, do what makes you happy and just try your best at it. And I never felt the pressure to do anything different. So to answer your question, I've always just thought that I was going to do it. And it's like, if I never get to the point of ever making a cent from it, I will still do it until the day I die. And that's something that's brought me a lot of comfort in lockdown. 
because it's like yeah. there's some people who inherently have to do something creative. I mean, you know this yourself, Jamie, with this podcast. It's like it's a different form of creativity. But the second we were like all locked up in our homes and we couldn't go anywhere or do a fucking thing, you were like, I'm going to do a podcast to talk about creative things. Like some people just have yeah. an inherent need to do it. And I can't imagine it not yeah. doing it. It wouldn't be a life worth living for me. Like, it's like, what else would I do? No, like, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're all delusional, crazy people, where it's the best for you. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's why the title of this podcast is so fucking apt. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I can't count the amount of times people have either said, just get a real job directly or like indirectly, or we're trying to like, say that. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And you know what breaks my heart? Every time I get this compliment from people, I Obviously, I didn't, as I, I probably heard me say on the podcast, it was my best friend Liam that, that came up with the title. So I, kind Liam, of, yeah, I just feel guilty right. taking the credit for it. So thank it's you great. Again, and by the way, shout out to Elliot. The fucking theme tune slaps. Very good. It sweeties. is A1. Thank you, Connor. No, it's it's, it's very it's reminiscent good. of like a Ricky Gervais uh, <laughs> series, yeah. you know, like extras or something like yeah. that. It's it's very good. It's very yeah, very it's good. good. It, it works well. But Connor, in 2015, you went to Bull Alley, didn't you? The same place Joe and Jasmine were both at, and did some acting there, didn't you? That's correct. Yeah, I left school in 2013, and I went to Bull Alley then, and I left in 2015. That's so what I was... meant to say, by the way. I meant to say, in tw- you, yeah. <laughs> oh, did you say? Did you say something else? I said twenty fifteen. You went to Bill oh, Alley. I meant. Like, oh, oh, right, all right. I misread. I misread uh, my notes. <laughs> yeah, no, I went there in twenty thirteen. Left in twenty fifteen. It was two years, Monday to Friday, nine to five. Had to wear all black. None of the gals could wear any makeup. It was very um intense, and I fucking loved it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Now I have to say, Jamie, it's one of those things that you got out of it what you put in. Yeah. There were some people who literally just did not try and they got nothing out of it. I thrived there. Like, I was just, like, living my best life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I suppose the most important thing that it's taught me is discipline. Mm. Because I remember, you know, it's not like Rada by any stretch, but I remember being taught about, like, manners and decency and politeness and etiquette, like, working in the industry. And, And that famous quote of... If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you're fired. Like that was drilled into our heads. And like I'm and as a result of that, like I'm always I think it's because of that, that I always try to be as professional as I possibly can. And when I'm working or even like doing a podcast, I, I, I always try to get back to people straight away. I always try to tell them, you know, this is where I'm at. Where are you at? Like I, I try to be a better communicator. And all of that came from my two years training there. Because it was just, the training was rooted, in my opinion, in just being a decent, nice person. And I adored it. Some of my best friends are from there. Joe Joe and Jasmine were there, but they're, they're a couple of years older than me. So mm. I didn't get to train with them. But yeah. some of the people in, in my year and the, and the year above have gone on to do absolutely amazing things. And I, I really loved that time in my life. I wish it was longer. Uh, it, it was great. Yeah, no, definitely. No, the first place, when you, when you finally go to somewhere with like-minded people, it's a... It's an amazing feeling, definitely, and it's it does so much. It really is, because like I'm, I'm sure a lot of creative people are like this, but I was by no means popular in in secondary yeah. school. I mean, I I went to an all boy all boys school, and I wasn't interested in sport, and I was gay. <laughs> it's kind of a recipe for disaster. <laughs> oh god! So when I was nineteen, going to a fucking drama school in Dublin, I was like, 
what? There's other people like me. I was like, this is insane. Do you know, yeah. like I went from, I was the top of the pyramid. Like I was like the Regina George. I oh, know I wasn't. But like <laughs> I, I had friends. Mom, I was like, mom, I've got friends. Like she was like, please yeah. stop speaking. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what? God, I was saying this to someone the other day. Like I, I was the same. I was particularly popular in high school. Very awkward, shy person. Like I did have, gr- I had very nice close friends, but I wasn't like popular. I wasn't social in that way. And I, I keep saying to some of my friends, like I feel like doing this podcast is like my way of going. Look, all these people like me. I can speak to all these I, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's crazy. Like and in a pre-COVID world, when I'd be back for Christmas or something, and I'd be in the pub. And I'd walk into the pub with like my three or four friends and I'd see someone that I went to school with that I've got no ill feelings towards, but yeah. maybe necessarily wasn't the nicest to me in school. Mm. And they'd walk by and they'd turn around and they'd be like, oh, hi, Connor. And I'd be like, hi, like feeling like the main character. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, know, I, know. I totally relate to that. And it's not even proving it to other people. Sometimes I feel like I'm proving my 17 year old self wrong almost or like I'm trying to be like exactly this, proven you know still trying to prove myself to my 17 year old self yeah if that makes sense oh yeah we're on the same page there because Definitely. like coming of age movies are my jam I, I just feel like well, I'm yeah. living it living a coming of age movie <laughs> which ties into that narrative yes, I love it very much so but then you obviously graduate for you finish Bill Alley in 2015 and you go to Queen Mary's in uh, London right to do a BA in drama I did, yeah. Moved to London in 2015, moved back home in 2018 once I graduated. Had the time of my life. Now, I suppose I went from drama school training to university mm-hmm. and that was a shock to my system because nine to five Monday to Friday and then all of a sudden I was in like six hours a week. And you have to and do I everything like, yourself, yeah. You have to do everything yourself and it was mm-hmm. more of a kind of theoretical degree. There was a large majority of it was practical now to be fair but it was you know there was essays and there was stuff like that and I I loved it there I mean again some of my best friends ever the staff were absolutely amazing but I will hold my hands up and say like the only reason I moved to London to do that course was because I wasn't going to be able to afford to move to London anyway and I was like but I can if I'm a student so I moved to London to do my BA in drama because I was like this is going to allow me to set up a base in London and so I wasn't focused on my studies. I was like, okay, what, what new writing opportunities is there? Like, can I get an agent? And that's what I kind of spent three years doing. So you kill two birds with one stone and all that. Yeah, that's like absolutely fair. And I think, I think sometimes I say to people doing creative degrees, I'm like, sometimes you need to remember it's not always about the grade. It's about what you're doing and what you're getting out of it. Because this industry, like I have an MA with distinction in screenwriting that does F all to get me a job. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that, it's all about what I do and how I come across and what you know experiences I get. So absolutely, that's a valid thing to do. Well, Connor, I sort of thought we could talk about some of your plays because I know you'd written quite a few. So I'll maybe wind back a bit to 2015 and you did a play at the International Dublin Gay Theatre Festival. Yeah, 2015, it was, I was, just coming towards the end of my time at Bull Alley yeah. and the International Dublin Gay Theatre Festival is the largest LGBT theatre festival in the world which is mm. insane and it's essentially two weeks of theatre, live events, comedy, music all centred around either LGBT people or themes and yeah. um, so you don't have to be a queer artist to get involved like you can 
they do let the straights they do let the straights <laughs> but um <laughs> but it's actually <laughs> yeah exactly but it's actually a great it's a great festival to get involved and in. i always I tell my friends about this because they've got a quite a large budget and they give you a venue for free oh, nice. and when you sell tickets they you you keep 75 percent of the box office which is almost unheard of like yeah but i put a play on there called leaving narnia and it was the first show i ever wrote in my life i was 19 and it tells the story of this young guy named james who's on the brink of coming out of the closet to his parents it's a great so, title great title. oh thank you very much thanks Mel. <laughs> And the show starts at the end. So at the end of the show, he's obviously coming out, about to come out. and But that's the very first scene. And the rest of the hour is flashbacks to what made him get to that point to tell his parents about it. And we had a great run. It was on for 10 performances. We sold it at 85% capacity. And it was very like kind of moving moment for me because even though I was 19 at the time, I was thinking back to myself as a 13 year old and... I was thinking, if you told me that by the time I was 19 years of age, not only would I have come out to my parents and my family, I'd be performing a one-man show about it, and they were going to be sitting in the front row, I would have told you to, like, fuck off. So it kind of, it it marked the end of my adolescence, and it was a brilliant experience. Then it it got nominated for the Oscar Wilde Award for Best New Writing at the the festival that year and from then on it's kind of just been on the go from there uh but it was a life-changing time in my life because i was like i remember a friend of mine came to see it who's gay and i remember seeing her in the audience and she had tears in her eyes and it was just a lovely moment because it obviously resonated with her and her getting emotional about it meant that me as a performer was getting more emotional about it and we were basically just crying at each other and that was kind of where the the magic took over it was like jesus this is a very powerful thing to be able to do and yeah it was a great time in my life yeah um, no that's amazing um, i was going to ask you about about sophie ben and other problems in a minute but i actually just had a question i've just thought of there and it, it's sort of just to do with you being a writer so you obviously we sort of touched on how we identify and things at the start but like you, I know you perform in a lot of your plays yourself as well. Like that was, a, for example, that was a one performance play you did and wrote. But like, when did you first, do you remember like when you first started writing your own stuff as well? Was that a Bill Alley or you'd always done that as well? I've always done that, Jamie, probably from the age of 17. Mm. Like, I remember again when I was coming out, I wrote up a letter to my mum and dad that I yeah. planned to print off and leave it in the house and go away. Aww. But I feel immense guilt about calling myself a writer. Like, I've got a lot of friends who oh, me constantly... Too, Right, 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 right. I don't operate that way. Same. I what happens to me is I come up with an idea, for example, young guy about to come out of the closet, and then I write it in two weeks, and then I don't get another idea for a year and a half. <laughs> so I I feel like like some of my friends wake up in the morning, like Melissa, the Scottish girl, like she wakes up in the morning and has a black coffee, like she's got a leather bound notebook with like a fucking quill. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I feel, get, here's me on Microsoft Word just writing for half an hour a day for 10 days. Like, oh God. Connor, this is great. This is this is a great therapy session for us both. So I'm, I'm getting a lot of relatability to you right now. It's great. Yeah. No, I have a, I have an Emmy in screenwriting and I feel the same. It's like, I do write, but I feel like I write very inconsistently. I'll have an idea that'll get worked on, but you know, I have to have a day. De- I don't just, you know, I'm not like one of those people that I'm like writing every day, like, oh, I need to write. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've, so I do feel the exact same thing about being Exactly. Frog, like yeah. the thing with me, Jamie, is that I just need a tagline. Like I need, what is this play about? I need yeah. young guy about to come out of the closet. Okay, I can write that. But those ideas are very 
few and far mm. between. And I don't try to force myself. Yeah, it's hard to make them original as well when you have a simple idea like that. It's, it's difficult. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. No, I can I feel you, feel you there. Well, we can talk about Sophie Ben and other problems, which I, I watched the trailer for on your website. The poster is also a very, very good poster. So whoever did that great job yeah great job <laughs> sophie ben and other problems literally changed my life changed mm. my life and um, it's a play about a young couple called sophie and ben who have come in to speak to an audience about modern day millennial relationships because their friend jamie aptly called oh, uh, great, their friend jamie <laughs> yeah name drop there um <laughs> Their friend Jamie is writing his university dissertation on modern day millennial relationships. Okay. And so he's asked Sophie and Ben to come in and speak to an audience about it. That's the premise of the play. Love it. So it's an hour long straight through. It's direct address the entire time. And it's interspersed with the first night that they met in the smoking area of a pub. And it was life changing for me. I first did it when I, whilst I was at Queen Mary. There was a theatre company there, the University mm. Theatre Company. It was on for one night. It was an amazing experience. A producer was in the audience that night and said, I think that this show could have a longer run. He produced it in two London venues, the Lion and Unicorn Theatre in North London and then the Tabard Theatre in Chiswick. Yeah. And from that, then it moved up to Assembly Studios in Edinburgh for a month long run, which was incredible because we got to share, like obviously it's an amazing venue at Edinburgh. Of course. We got to share the, the space with some amazing acts. Was there for the month what what, what year was this 20, 2018 2018 and absolutely loved it best time of my life I'm, I'm sure you know more than anyone edinburgh fringe is just yeah. unreal loved it so much and then i moved back to ireland and the show is on in three venues since and in january 2022 it's making its off west end debut in oh brilliant the chiswick playhouse in, in chiswick so i'm buzzing it, it's changed my life it it literally changed my life like i i'm sure you've heard before jamie the power of making your own work yeah but it like it got me my first agent and the the people that i met from it have been just absolutely fantastic and yeah it's unreal we're we're adapting at at the minute it's been adapted for the screen oh brilliant i've written six episodes that obviously it's a two-person play but someone came to me to suggest that it would be really good for the screen because you can obviously expand on the universe and, and meet their friends and family and stuff like sounds that great. so it sounds great connor i love the concept i will uh, be booking my tickets for 2020 let's come down to come down to london please do, do, do a special please. do a special podcast on it or something let's do yeah it. <laughs> please do i would fucking love that I, yeah. i'm planning on investing on a blow up double mattress so you've got somewhere to stay jamie don't worry <laughs> thank you connor Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you'd like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little or as much as you wish. You can access this by going to www patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show no that's great i always usually do the, the sort of a few fun questions so i know you're an actor okay. and a writer and we'll talk about your podcast in a second as well but just have a few quick fun questions so first of all as an actor if you could play anyone from history who would you who would you like to get the chance to play oh my 
fucking god, that is an amazing question. Anyone from history? Yeah, dead or alive, don't worry. I would love to play an Irish revolutionary of some sort. Nice, nice. That would be unreal. Or I would love to play someone like... This is going to sound really weird. People have certain interests in history and I'm fascinated and really interested in the AIDS crisis in America. Mm. I think it was such a kind of poignant time of history in terms of, you know, we've seen it recently with TV shows like It's a Sin. Yeah. How that was just done so brilliantly and how an entire community was kind of swept aside. So maybe some kind of political activist that like was monumental and changing things for queer people would be very kind of moving for me to do i'd love to do something like that that's a great answer that's a nice i like it when people do something a bit more personal to them and it's not like something obvious it's it's nice how about you have you answered this before no well i'm not an actor connor so i I mean i don't know but you must in your dream fantasy though Oh, come on, this is it. You can't just turn the questions up. No, I'm I believe to... that you can act. I believe all writers can act. No, they can't. I'm trying to think if there is anyone I could. I would love to, to play. But it's also like being able to play. I guess David Bowie would be amazing to play. Not that I would be oh. a good Bowie. Not that I would be a very good David Bowie, but like, you know, I'd love to I'd love to be able to play him because he's my, one of my heroes. So may, maybe him. Oh, that's a fucking great answer. It's a very obvious, cheap answer, clearly, but I am, you know... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's absolutely not. I was going to say Elton John at one point, but then I was like, nah. It's a good one as well. We'll have another quick fire one. This is a writery one. So, like, if you could work with any current writers at the moment, you could co-write some with someone. Who would you choose to co-write with? <gasps> oh my god, that's an amazing question. Uh, Ryan Murphy, one hundred percent. Aaron Sorkin, love his oh, work. Oh yeah, yeah, we we spoke about him on the Oscars podcast. There, we, we did. did Joe, yeah, he he, he is fa- he's fantastic. He. He has to be one of the smartest men alive, I think. Like, very, very, very good. The way yeah. he writes his stories are just incredible. And then in terms of Ryan Murphy, I'm I'm really interested in his his concepts and how he comes up with these ridiculous universes. It's like, what are you sniffing like? And where can I get some? Do you know what I mean? And then probably in terms of playwrights, there's an amazing uh, Irish playwright. Her name is Eve O'Connor. And she wrote a play called Maz and Bricks, uh, mm-hmm. which is a two-hander. And... She is on the way into Dublin to go to an abortion rights rally and he's on the way home from a night out. Yeah. And they're both in their 20s. And she, I I think previously Eva was a a spoken word artist. So her writing is really rhythmic and very poetic. And I went to see the show in Edinburgh, actually, at at the Fringe. And people were just crying in the audience because of the language of it. Like there was nothing sad happening, but the way the card... Like, Jamie, I can't I can't explain it. Like, definitely check out her work. So those would probably be the three writers for me that I'm really interested in. That's great. Well, I have one more, which kind of kind of maybe answered a wee bit there, but it's just sort of as an actor and writer, who are the people, what are you, what are like plays that have influenced you? Who are like people that have had a big influence on you as an artist? Yeah, definitely Maz and Bricks by Eve O'Connor. Hmm. I'm really interested in things that are current, Jamie. I think that when I reel it back and take away all the layers, like I write theatre and I'm involved in theatre because I don't understand a lot of things about the world. And when I write about something and I write about a topic, I learn about it. And I force myself to learn about it. And people come to see it and they know things about it that I don't know and we learn from each other. So I'm very interested in people who write about today and about what's happening now and who write about marginalised groups and about young people 
in particular because I feel like when I was growing up and I was going to see theatre in Dublin we'd go to the Abbey Theatre which is Ireland's national theatre and we'd see these amazing productions with absolutely world-class actors and we'd be like that was incredible but I can't relate to that yeah you know I I'm I'm 17 working class and it's like I don't I can't relate to like a modern day adaptation of King Lear like I just I I don't get it and I think from from the moment that I saw things like that I was like I need to start making theatre that people my age and lived experience can relate to which is kind of where Sophie Ben and other problems was kind of birthed from so I love anyone like in around our age making their own work like I will go see anything and a lot of different people inspire me for a lot of different reasons. Absolutely as well. Like I think something I really try and do is just write honestly and write about my own experiences, write about people our age, you know. Usually young awkward men in their 20s do get up to nonsense yeah. or whatever. But I think that's, you know, that's 100%. things that interest me are like modern day relationships and things like that. So definitely, yeah. Absolutely. So I love that. Well, Connor, I thought it'd be a good time to chat about your podcast now, uh, which is called Glee Cap. Uh, would you like to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's called Glee Cap. It is a play on words, as all you listeners might have guessed out there, as in recap. See what we did there, guys? And um, it's a podcast that recaps every single episode of the hit American musical comedy TV show Glee that aired in the States from 2009 2015. And I host it every week. There's a new episode out every Wednesday and every week or every other week at least there is a brand new guest who comes on to dissect the episode that we just watched. I suppose the interesting thing about it is that sometimes you have people on who love the show, hate the show or feel indifferent slash has, have never seen it. Mm. And it's a very interesting conversation about not only what happens in the episode but like what it said about the culture at the time and why it was written that way and why it was made. And it's been a life changer for me and it's been a lifesaver for me, as I'm sure you can relate with uh, Just Get A Real Job. Like it's been keeping me busy and it's it's connected me to a lot of great people. Yeah, it's connected me to a lot of great people. So it's been a joy to work on. It's it's been great crack. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I've only listened to, I was going to say to you, Connor, like I watched the first two seasons of Glee when I was a lot younger as my mum will be laughing right now because because I was a secret. I would be like, me, I'd watch it. My mum would sort of be like, you, you, you quite like this, don't you? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to admit that. You sound like the perfect guest. You see, I, I, I know I should actually come on it, Connor. I, that's the reason I wasn't sure if you could do it without having not seen it because I, I haven't seen past season two. But I'd love to one day do it, have a laugh about oh, it. Oh no, absolutely. Well, like, and that that makes it more. That, yeah. that makes it more fun because it's like yeah. here's a seasoned gleek of the week if you will with someone who hasn't watched past season two like what yeah. the fuck is this gonna bring like that would be great, great but it's a great idea for a podcast and like I, I listened to the one with Molly because I interviewed her and that probably will be out by the time this episode comes out I imagine no idea what number it will be but yeah so it's a good it's, it's great as you say to like be able to have this outlet in lockdown and, and you know in a time where we can't connect to have these connections so it's great yeah, 100%. And, you know, like, I, I often think about how it's a podcast that recaps a TV show, but it's a great TV show to recap yeah. because it's not like some random TV show. Like, Glee, at the time that it came out, was a cultural phenomenon. Like, it, like even people who despise the show, which I still argue to this day, it's the most misunderstood TV show the last 20 years people don't understand and grasp that it's complete satire and that they play into the Mm -hmm. ridiculousness and absurdity of it and like the cast and crew and the creators are in on the joke 
but I felt like a problem with it, Jamie, was that a lot of people were sitting down watching it like it was to be consumed, like it was a high school musical film. Yeah. Whereas that's not what it is at all. It's quite dark and, and stuff like that. So it's it's a great show to recap in that regard because it, it said something of the culture at the moment and it, it's got a lot of commentary on like LGBT rights and, and LGBT teenagers and, and it's crazy to look back on it because it was only 10 years ago but like how much has changed in that short amount of yeah. time. I know it's it's crazy how things even from ten years ago, which which when I look at dates, I don't know about you, when I see a date, I'm like, oh, that was only like quite recent, and then you're like, 2014 was seven years ago. It's seven like, years ago. I know. What the fuck? Yeah, know, it's, it's I'm mad. the same. I know it's, it's mad. It's mad. So. It's mad. We're getting think, older. Yeah, things have aged. I know. I know. But no, it's a, it's a really good idea for a podcast. And I was, and it, you know, I I said this to Joe, but it's great to be part of this sort of podcaster community i guess it's lovely like you know it's great people all support each other and all message each other and talk and stuff and yeah it's it's lovely to do at the moment one million percent like it's all about like again like when you pull everything back it's all about connection isn't it like we yeah instinctively set up podcasts to connect with people even if we did not know that at the time no that's why we did it like because we had no one to fucking talk to i know so we're like let's both pick a subject here and talk to people about it that's all yeah. it is. Really, at the end of the day, yeah. It's just uh, yeah. You, find, you find a little niche and then you have some conversations. And, and obviously podcasting's like been around for a while and it's a very, very saturated market. But like I think if you do it well, people like it. And, and if you can get real connection on it, people really do connect to it as well. So One million percent. And it's and it's such a gift. And it's like our podcast does, does really, in my opinion, really well in terms of listenerships. And I remember the first couple of episodes, I was like, how many people are listening? How many people are listening? But I think as of recording this, there's 40 something episodes out yeah. and we just don't care about it anymore. Like we have got our inbuilt audience already. We're on season three of Recap and the show. And it's like, if people are still listening to it now, it's like they're going nowhere. Like obviously you still have to promote. Yeah. But like, we're not worried about who's listening. And I feel like people do get strung up on numbers as well, Jamie. They absolutely it's like, do. Even if you were to think about it, like, and you, you say you see Jesus eight people have listened to my podcast fucking eight people have listened to your podcast that's amazing i know i know it's absolutely true Cara. I, I, I totally relate to you because i think we're about you know 34 episodes or whatever in now as well and it's like i was obsessed with numbers i'm like we got this many and sometimes i find myself checking i'm like why do you care the fact that 10 other strangers you'd never met never. or who don't, exactly. who don't know you like are choosing to let you speak into their ear is like you know that that's amazing i still pinch myself yeah so. Uh, sometimes I have this thing, Jamie, I don't know if you ever get this, maybe I'm just weird. I'm like, I'm talking and on my podcast and then it comes out and you kind of forget, and even though you promote it, you kind of forget that people listen to it. Yeah. You're like, the world can listen to this. And you're just talking absolute shite with someone that you don't know. And you're like, the world is listening to this. Like, like 40 people have listened to this today. Like, it's mad. It is mad. And it's like, I, I, I don't know if you ever find this, Connor, but you'll maybe a friend who, if you have friends that listen to your own podcast and you go out, for, to, you know, go out to meet them or something and you tell them an anecdote, you're like, I heard you say that already. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I said that. I forgot that you would have heard this already when I talked shite online for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm just like, oh, so do you, do you want an autograph now or? Or later, like <laughs> no, it's great what we're doing, Connor, and uh, we should, you know, it's it's good to see us both, you know, keep growing our podcasts, and uh, you know, and it's just lovely to have a chat with you. See, like, you, we don't know each other really at all. It is, you know, this has just been so easy to like just chat. Yeah, with. no, absolutely, it's been such good fun, and uh, I'm definitely going to have to have you on Glee Cup. I'm going to put you on a really Definitely. absurd episode. 
Oh, really please absurd do. One. Just let me know. Just get a real well, I've got a few more questions for you before I let you go, though. I've got two more yeah. questions. So we've got to now go. So I used to ask everyone what the worst part-time job was, but Rebecca, um, on the birthday special, very, very geniusly pointed out that I should start asking, what's the worst real job you'd ever had to work? That's a much better way of asking the question. So, yes, Connor, what, what would that oh be? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The worst... Insta- I don't even have to think about this. The worst one, Jamie, was when I worked at AES, which is a bin company mm-hmm. in Ireland in the call centre I would have to get up at 6.30 every morning I started work at 8 I didn't finish until half 6 in the evening didn't get home until 8 Monday to Friday when I tell you it was sold it's beyond comprehension like it was like from 8 in the morning until we finished work it was just answering phone calls and getting oh. roared at down the phone it was sold I, I lasted there three weeks I was yeah. like I can't I I I don't have the emotional capacity to do this. It's not because I'm lazy. It's like I, I'm an early riser. Like I get up. I don't have the emotional capacity to sit in a fucking office and have people like give me death threats down the phone totally because the fair. recycling wasn't collected. It's totally like I can't fair. do it. Like, yeah, no. Do you I know what I mean? Us, I think most people would, would would totally understand that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nah. It was soul destroying. I remember the last day. This is so bad. But look, honesty error. The last day I was like, when I leave today, I'm not coming back tomorrow. Like, I'm just not doing it. Like, I, I'm quitting, but I'm not telling them that I'm quitting. The phone rings. This man answers. My bin hasn't been collected. And I'm like, oh, can I just get your uh, your account number or whatever? He goes, no, no, no. My bin hasn't been collected. I was like, well, you need to tell me your personal information so I can get your bin collected for you. He starts going, are you stupid? My bin hasn't been collected. I said, no, I'm not stupid, but I need your personal information. All of a sudden, this light bulb just goes off my head and I think, Connor, you're leaving today. Like, I was like, you're leaving. So just, I turn around and was like, oh, oh, he's like, excuse me. I was like, oh, has your bin not been collected? Oh, here was me in the middle of work with the headset on. Oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Has it not been collected? Oh, do you want me to go get it for you? Oh, <laughs> my friend Stephanie, who worked there, I'm still great friends with, was sitting across from me looking at me like, and she started pissing herself left. I was like, oh, well, I'll get someone to collect that for you now, okay? And I was, Jamie, I lost my mind. I like, I lost my mind. I was like, I have had it up to here. I've had it up to here and I left and no regrets. Uh. No That's amazing. We'll get Elliot to put in some sort of applause sound here. I think you know. Do, absolute, do you know, Jamie? I hero. hope he. I hope that man never got his bins collected. I hope they're still fucking there. I love that. <laughs> like we'd all fantasized about shit like that, but to actually do it, fair fucking. Play, I man. did it. Yeah, I often say the only thing I've got left to do now is throw a drink over someone at a bar, <laughs> and dramatically walk out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one God. day, one day. That's class. Well, I've got one more question for you, and you'd given some great advice for it as well, but I just sort of wondered if you could sort of recap it, and we'd like to ask everyone to just sort of what advice you would offer to anyone who maybe wants to be an actor, a playwright, a podcaster, or just in general wants to sort of work in the creative industries. What would your advice to them be? Believe in the power of your own work and just fucking do it. I think yeah. back to my time at Bull Alley and I think of all of the amazing people that I met there who were so talented and gifted. And they left Bull Alley and they just didn't do anything. They had this mindset of they're going to walk through Dublin and they're going to be 
discovered by this casting agent who will let them audition. It's like it does not work that way. It's like everything that I've ever achieved in my life, absolutely everything in terms of my career in the arts has been from me doing it myself. And it's not, it's not a magic trick. Like, it's just simple. Like, if you're a writer, sit down and write a play and get your friends together on Zoom and get them to read the script and get in contact with the theatre if when the world is back to normal or semi-normality and be like, my name is X and I've written this play and I think it would be good on in your venue. Because when I look at the, tra- the trajectory of my shows, for example, Sophie Ben and Other Problems, I wrote that for my university's theatre company for one night. And in 2022, it's having its off West End premiere. And I, I know I'm a good writer and I've got a skill at it. But I also know the reason it got to that position was because... I took every opportunity that I got. And if I wasn't getting any opportunities, I was making it myself. And anyone can do it. It's just a lot of people choose not to do it. And so my piece of advice would be just do it. Write it. If you don't know where it's going to be put on, whether it's on the theatre festival or a specific venue, write it and just tell yourself it's going to be put on. Um, Because the worst thing that can come out of it is nothing happening for you. Yeah. So that's something I always try to live by. And that's why I surround myself with people who are like that. Like like my friend Joe. Like me and Joe kind of have a man- mantra where it's like, I've written something. I'm not going to write something to just not put it on. I mean, even yeah. if it's shit, I'd rather have it on and get some feedback on it than just have it sit on my laptop until the day I die. So just do it, as Nike would say. Absolutely. Our most common answer, but a great one. And it, it makes so true. And just so the listeners know, the Joe we have been talking about so much this episode is uh, Joe Neil from episode 23 of the podcast. If you haven't listened, go and check that one out. It's a good one as well. And yes, Connor, thank you very, very much for your time today. This has been great. I've loved, I've loved chatting to you. It's uh, it was really fun. So thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, Jamie. This has made my week, honestly. It's been... <laughs> It's been so nice to have a chat. I was so looking forward to it. And you and Elliot are just doing amazing work with the show. Oh, thank you. So I I've, I was honoured to be to be asked on. Thanks a oh, million. Of course. No problem. As I was saying to you before we started, I, I like just found out before, like two minutes before we started recording this that I just didn't get a job I really wanted. So this has well cheered me up. So thanks, mate. Yeah, no, no problem. And <laughs> as I said at the top, what's meant to be for you won't pass you. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Well, that's a great thing for all the listeners to hear, I'm sure. We'll let them end on that. Thank you, Connor. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jamie. So there you go. That was my conversation with Connor Burke. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. I'd like to thank Connor once again for giving us his time as always. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening as always. And if you want to find out a bit more about what Connor is up to and some of his work, there's links to that in the show notes go and check out connor's glee cat podcast as well if you like glee and even if you don't just go and check out why not support other podcasters the independent podcast community needs all the support it can get so as well as leaving this podcast reviews as well as sharing us on social media share any podcast you like and support all the independent podcasts podcasting is very saturated there's a lot of big money coming into the podcast game and it makes it harder and harder for independent podcasts like us to be successful or to be heard by new new audiences so it's you know we depend on your support and so it's not just to just get a real job just across the board if there's podcasts you like listening to go and give them a review as well support them all support the local podcast community but anyway i should probably go and catch this train or i'm gonna miss it but yeah thank you for listening And wherever you are in the world, I hope you're well. And we'll be back again later in the week with another episode of Just Get A Real Job.
just get a real job.